In order to retire successfully, you'll need vision. You'll also need a plan to execute that vision. Welcome to Retirement Pathfinder with Barbara Lane and Phil Gusky. On today's show, we'll give you the tools you need to navigate unique challenges you'll face in retirement. It's time to chart your financial future. Retirement Pathfinder starts now. Glad to have you on the Retirement Pathfinder podcast. I am Ben George, and I'm joined as always by Phil Gusky and Barbara Lane. They are retirement income planning specialists at Pathfinder Wealth Management, and today they're going to be handing out four financial commandments that we need to follow along. Write them down in stone, right? Put them down and, and make sure you stick to them. It will be key to being successful in your retirement. We're going to hand those out to you today. We have a lot to talk about too beyond that. So let me welcome in Phil and Barbara. How you guys doing? Uh, good to speak to you again. Yes, yeah, good, good to be on. Doing Talk. well, doing real well, Ben. Yep, yep. What's uh, what's new in in your world? Well, I'm looking forward to the next year. I don't like to pass. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like to pass time quickly like that, you know, in, because we only get one today. That right. is very true. The present is today, but uh, I think by next year, though, the 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 election will be over, and we certainly should be having a good handle on what's going on with this COVID. So I'm I'm excited for next year and. Even for the, actually the the way the rest of this year will play out. What's going on with you, Phil? There's always something going on in the farm. Oh yeah, the farm. Well, I'll tell you what. I uh, I decided to take up bow hunting this year, and uh, uh, Mr. Big did come by. Uh-oh. So the third day of of the opener, I uh, was able right. to bag a uh, six point, uh, pretty good sized buck. He was 150 pounds hanging weight, so that was pretty pretty cool and uh, uh, very promising. We saw a lot of deer, and uh, I think a lot of it's got to do with the weather and the crops and and uh, they did have a bumper crop of uh, bonds earlier this year. So that was that was good. I was glad uh, to have uh, been out there the first time with my bow. And yep, it's and it's a lot warmer out there, too. So when you're out there uh, working with the uh, with the deer, um, it's a lot more pleasant to work in warmer weather than it is cold. Well, that's, that's encouraging, though, that you know, because you just started out with that. And that's, mm-hmm. a, that's, that's, uh, that's yep. good stuff. Because last year, right? Remind us, you didn't have any luck last year, right? <laughs> Zero. <laughs> right. So you're off to a great start then. Yeah, absolutely. I'm very encouraged by it. You betcha. Great. Uh, I know, Barbara, before we get into this episode today, I I know we got an important uh, vote coming up in Illinois that uh, we want to remind people about. Yes, that's very true. Yeah, thanks, Ben. I wanted to remind our listeners of the uh, Fair Tax podcast that Phil and I did that uh, from that would have been from September 17th. If you didn't get an email on that, just go to our website at pathfinderwealth.com or if you're a new listener and then click on podcasts on the top. And this is our September 17th podcast. But I would recommend uh, listening to that before you vote because clients that listen to that had actually Mm -hmm. called and they changed their mind. You betcha. That's great. Yeah, it's a a serious issue and this requires a constitutional change. And um, if that happens, then your retirement accounts and Social Security can be taxed in the future with no vote. So I would recommend listening to that podcast. Yeah, I'll remind you again, pathfinderwealth.com is where you'll find it. Once you're on there, there's a podcast uh, menu item at the very top of the page, right-hand corner. Just click that, and it's like the second one down, I think you'll see as you're scrolling down, is, is the Illinois yep. Fair Tax really fair? And it's just a really good discussion uh, by Barbara and Phil, really kind of breaking it down and explaining to you you know, the finer points of it. Um, so, yeah, again, encourage you to check that out once you get done with this show. Uh, so thank you for that reminder, Barbara. All right, let's hop into today's show and talk financial commandments. We have four. There's a lot of commandments out there, obviously, that we could probably hand out and, and, and lay out for everyone today. But let's just go with four key ones and very important ones that we want to give to people. And, and make sure you follow these. These are very good guidance 
commandments for you in retirement planning, and, and that's why we want to present those to you today. So let's start off with number one. Thou shalt not compare your investments to the stock market without proper context. All right, explain that one to me. Yeah, actually, Ben, I, I, I want to make aware of all the, all the listeners aware of the fact that there's actually 10 uh, financial concepts or financial commandments. Uh, I added one financial um, commandment to it, uh, but when we came down from the mountain, Barb and I, with the uh, with the commandments <laughs> in stone, uh, I added one to it, and that is this: Thou shalt not be boring. Okay, oh. so we're gonna <laughs> try to spice this spice up it a little up. bit. But yeah, yeah. So most folks don't really have a clue about the stock market. You know, you hear about the stock market, and they think that you know there's one stock market, but they don't really understand completely how it works. You know what it represents, or or you know, that there are more than one. There's actually, if you want to follow this correctly to get a full understanding of, of returns in the market, uh, in quotes, there's actually 10, possibly 11 markets to track. But most people are more um, apt to compare to the S&P 500 or the Dow. Those are the most mm -hmm. recognizable markets. So uh, the problem with that is that people that market financial products take advantage of the public's misinformation about markets, about stock markets. Let me give you three examples. The first one uh, I'm going to call the fear factor. And this is not true of every insurance company out there or every insurance salesperson, but insurance companies, when they sell or market annuities, often quote the S&P 500. But what they quote is they quote a time period from 2000 to 2009, which was a 10-year period of time when the S&P dropped by 3.3% per year. So if you had $10,000 at the start of that period of time, Barb, it ends up being about 7,100 bucks. That was the last decade. That was the last, the last decade. Mm -hmm. And so, but what they don't understand and what they're not told is that during that same period of time, U.S. small companies in the United States right here on our particular continent, okay, did 8.22% average. So it went from 10,000, that particular sector went from 10,000 to 22,000. Yep. So if you're properly diversified, you wouldn't have lost any money during that period of time. But the fear factor carries a lot of weight. People are afraid of what they don't know, they don't understand. So the second factor is what I call the greed factor. Okay, so over the past five years, U.S. large company stocks have really been the darling. They produced a 10% per year average. And those are you know from the big five tech companies primarily of, of the S and P. So 10% per year, that's, Hey, wouldn't you like to go there? Sure. And so marketers know that. And, and they say, Hey, why would you want to stay with small value companies that only produce 4.2% during the same period of time? So they do something called market timing. We're smart. We know that you need to move from that dog sector <laughs> at 4.2 to the darling sector at 10%, right? Well, the problem with that type of, of market timing is that you might get caught in that particular sector at the wrong time. You know, it, it's always my luck that if I'm trying to chase returns and go to that that stellar performing sector, uh, guess what happens, Barb? It drops. It drops down, yeah. you know, and that's that's always been kind of my history. And sure. so why do it? Why try to guess what's going on? And so the greed factor takes over. People say, hey, why should I settle for this when I can get that? They want more. They want more, 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 more. Well, you know, it's important to make money, but the question is, is that really going to add more risk to your portfolio? Here's the third factor. It's called the day trading factor. And, you know, the public is sold on the idea that investments can produce quick profits in a relatively short period of time. So again, we quote the U.S. large companies, large growth has been up the past few years. And so they chase that particular return. 
So as an investor, however, we want to maximize returns for our clients. And so we need to keep an eye on the fact that we got to look 10 years or longer out there, yep. Barb, for these returns. Now, remember, we talked about how great the U.S. large cap growth sector is. But what does it look like over a long period of time? Well, over a 20-year period of time, U.S. large growth, 6.5%. 6.5%. Keep that in mind. U.S. small value by comparison, 11.3%. So the large cap growth, if you put $100,000 in large, large cap growth during a period of time, you ended up with $352,000. You go, hot dog, that's pretty good. What about small? Well, oh, oh, small. Well, how about $850,000? Yeah. You know, and they say that every $500,000 makes a huge difference at retirement. Every $500,000. Oh, <laughs> wait, wait, wait till I tell you about some research I did. Okay. Oh, okay. Let's hear it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Are you, uh, well, I, the funny thing you mentioned too, when people compare with uh, the Dow and S&P 500, that's a total of about 530 U.S. companies. Yeah. So that's, 530, it's, yeah. it's, it's funny when people do that. But comparing your portfolio is something people do with their family, with coworkers, with friends, and there are no two portfolios invested the same way. It's kind of funny. I just met with a guy this week that says him and a bunch of buddies get together and they compare. Mm. And what he said to me is, mine is bigger. Well, he, what he says to me is, is we're all getting about the same. And I didn't oh, okay. ask him to elaborate on that because I didn't. I, I don't. I'm sure he doesn't even have any idea what about the same means. But right, right. Yeah. So a 20 year old should not be investing the same as a 60 year old that's ready no to way. retire. No way. But then, if you jump ship, though, then you just have fallen into the category that Dalbar Research talks about. So you look at the S and P 500 for a 20 year time frame. And the average is about 10 and a quarter percent average annual return. 20 years uh, for the average investor is about 4%. Why is mm, that? Mm. Well, because the average investor is buying and selling every three years. And so you never reach your average. So for example, if your average return, your average annual return is 10% and your standard deviation is 10%, we'll talk about why that standard deviation number is important in uh, this podcast. But in any given year, then you can be between a minus 10 and a 30%, say wow. if you were to just get into that fund. Well, you wouldn't have that average, you wouldn't have that range, that huge range every year if you stayed in and you didn't sell. So that 66% uh, discrepancy that Dalbar Research is talking about is because people buy and sell way too quickly, about every three years. So they're copying or they're listening to someone else. Comparing is dangerous for your oh, long-term investment is. goals. Yeah, in fact, really, yeah. are we going to compare ourselves to somebody if we know that we've underproduced? No way. You're not going to really admit your shortcomings, your failures along the way. And so we have a tendency to steer away from uh, the real facts, the truth of what's actually happening out there. Well, you're listening. People are listening to people that have uh, no knowledge about the financial world. It's just it, they, that's true. It's, it's they're, they're comparing, but you know, they're only comparing their portfolio. It's that's right. That way. Yeah, I think the key word in that commandment is proper in terms of proper context. You can probably find context, but is it proper context? Right. That's very good, Ben. That's yeah, very proper important. context. Exactly right. All right. Second on our list of commandments here. Thou shalt not give up before giving your strategy enough time to play out. And I think, you know, the biggest thing is people are often quick to act, you know, when they see something drop or even if they, yep. they see it go up. But you have to make sure you have a plan that lasts over time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the first question is, is what is the, what is the, the financial goal? What is the goal for this money? Because with a defined strategy to meet your long-term goals, you shouldn't be concerned about what happens in the market this week or last month or last year. And when people invest their money, you have to give a strategy a minimum of five years. Like you had just said, Phil, I say it's more like 10. 
you have to give mm-hmm. you have to give mm-hmm. an investment. Our investors, I have to say, are really good about staying the course, though. We do a thorough job and spend a lot of time explaining their investments with us before they become an investor. And we, we have a saying around here, and that's that you don't need to know everything about investing, but just some of the important things. So technical jargon isn't important, but how their strategy will meet their long-term goals and their income needs is important. You know, we, we could actually do an entire podcast on mutual funds because they're actively managed. So investors think they're in a long-term strategy, but they're not. Mutual fund money managers buy and sell in their funds every single year. And you can, you can find that out just by looking at what their turnover is. So what that means is you're a long-term investor, but your, invest, your investments are saying the exact opposite. But I think when people know and they understand what they're invested in, then they're more likely to stay the course and not panic and jump ship. So having a defined strategy is the key. It's based on your goals. So it's a long-term strategy. Well, you know, it's kind kind of interesting, Barb, that, you know, if you mentioned to a client that your portfolio should produce over a long period of time, an average of about 6%, okay? But you also tell them that there's a variance of 10% one way or another. Well, they have a tendency to remember the 6% that they're supposed to do, and they don't remember the negative 10% that they could possibly get. But we tell them, look, you know, you have to understand something. When we look at our, our portfolios over a long period of time, and for our clients, how they've done, those particular returns really revert more to the mean. In other words, they become more the average yes. of that 6% the longer you hold that particular investment. Right. So it's not short-term trading. But uh, but you're right. Our investors do uh, hang on to that 6% and they think that they're supposed to get this, that 6% every, every, cent, every year. Every year, every year, right. <laughs> we have to explain that. And you know, I think just from some of our conversations this year, especially during the, the pandemic crisis, it seems like, as you mentioned at the, at the beginning of that answer, a lot of your clients have been very patient and uh, and let the kind of process play out and not react to the negative news, which has been very difficult for many people this year is to, to react emotionally as things have have, uh, have gone up and down so violently at times, it seems. So mm-hmm. that's a good yep, point. Our, our investors have been very good. So very. thank you, our investors. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, for no question. And our advice, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, number three, for those that are getting close to retirement or into retirement, thou shalt not chase big returns too late in life. Yeah, you know, there's it's a fact that uh, most working people have been, end up paying themselves last rather than paying themselves first. And that was one of the first rules I learned in investing back 40 some years ago was that you always pay yourself first. Now, let me give you an example of something. This is a true story. What actually happened, I'm not going to give names out here, but there's two technicians without college degrees. They're just really highly technical people, but they work uh, in a shop, same shop, same plant, uh, next bench over. Both have 30 years of experience when they retired and both were at the same pay grade. And both contributed to their 401k plan. However, at retirement, one person has, get this now, $200,000, and the other person has $1.5 million. Wow, that's an amazing thing. How can both be putting money, roughly the same amount of money, into the account from their paycheck? Well, what's the difference? Well, here's the big difference. The one with the larger account started contributing 30 years prior to retirement at age 35, and the other 10 years prior to retirement, time can be on your side if you get started earlier. So the worker at age 55, what will they have a tendency to do? Well, they're going to have a tendency to aggress, to invest more aggressively to make up for the lost time. Oh my gosh, I've got to, you know, I know what kind of income I've got to have. And so I've got to put my portfolio all in stocks. Wow. That, that can be a huge mistake. What are the risks for doing that? Well, you know, in the investment world, we know for a fact that, that the market doesn't always go up, right? 
And you can go into a bear market just before retirement or just after retirement. And now they're in a pickle because the amount of income that they were depending on in retirement is no longer there. So if that happens, what do they do? Well, they may have to go out there and uh, settle for half the amount of income that they were planning on. Or the second thing they would have to do is wait for retirement, wait another couple of years before they retire. If this happens after retirement, what that may end up driving them out to do is getting another job someplace. Right. So all their plans about enjoying retirement, uh, reaping the fruits of their labor, going out there and spending time traveling, being with the grandkids, that's all put aside for another five, maybe 10 years. So we have to be careful about this. We have to understand that um, you cannot really be an aggressive investor to try to make up for lost time. That's just putting your, your portfolio in a real risky pattern. Now, now here's the biggest downside. It's the psychological impact of an underfunded retirement. What do I mean by that? They say to themselves, we won't have enough money to make it through retirement. Uncertainty, fear, right. regret, all these things crop up at that time during a period of time when you should be in, enjoying yourself the most in life. So again, our particular mantra here is time can be your friend if you get started early. You've got to get started early, invest early, invest often. You know, it's also interesting that when people invest, start investing late and they want to be aggressive mm. and they want the highest returns, they're the first ones to bail because they panic because uh -oh. they don't have enough to begin with. Uh-oh, they you make know, a mistake so. and they say, I better correct this I better mistake get, yeah, I could, and they make another bad mistake. Yeah, because they, they're, they're so fearful that they have to hang on to what they have. Yeah. How would you like to hear a survey about retirement preparedness? Give Bill? it to me. Give let's it hear it. Me. So this yeah, is this is a survey from Yahoo Finance done September 23rd, 2019. 64% of Americans aren't prepared for retirement and 48% don't care. Out of those 64%, they're expected to retire on less than $10,000. 20% will retire with between $10,000 and $100,000. That's only 16% left that will have enough money. So if you think about it, 16% of Americans is all that is prepared for their retirement. Well, what happens when people realize they don't have enough, like you said, Phil, they want to make up for lost time, they're going to invest like people in their 20s and 30s. Mm -hmm. And those that aren't prepared will also be working longer. But the danger is employers are not going to want to hire a 70-year-old. Now, if you're working and you have skills, depending on how long you're with the company, but to go out and find work as a 70-year-old or even a 60, you know, mid to late 60s, that's going to be very difficult. Forget about it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> well, that's a great survey and a great example you provided as well, Phil. So I think that mm. uh, really makes it kind of clear why it's so important. Uh, our last one here on the show, Financial Commandments, thou shalt not overlook the importance of rebalancing and diversifying. Yes. Uh, well, let's talk about diversifying first. And what I call under diversification is what we mm. most often see. Because you have active money managers that have the majority of their funds in large growth companies both U.S. and international funds, and we find this out when we analyze portfolios. So again, we spend a fair amount of time talking about an academic approach when, uh, where you have about 19 asset classes included in your portfolio, and that's important because when the stock market is up, that doesn't mean that all equities in your portfolio are up equally. So small companies don't move in the same direction and at the same time and in the same way as large companies. The same with international companies and U.S. companies, both. But rebalancing is important because if you don't, then your portfolio is riskier than what you chose at the outset of your investing for the reasons that I just mentioned about diversification. So if large companies have a good run in your portfolio, 
then that will be the asset class that has outperformed all the others. Well, by selling off the portion of the portfolio that's increased outside of those normal ranges and buying what's dropped in value, which would be bonds, you're keeping with your original strategy as far as how much should be invested in each category. It's not easy to do. It takes courage and discipline mm-hmm. to rebalance because some don't want to sell off their winners. You know, they, they just want their winners to keep on going. And then, uh, uh, you know, why, why sell your winners is, is what you often hear. Well, you, you have to, because if you don't rebalance, what you have to know is that you're increasing your risk. So first of all, rebalancing is done from a risk standpoint, but there's been studies done too, that it does offer a little bit of additional premium by doing so, by rebalancing. The moral is have a specifically designed portfolio to meet your needs and your long-term retirement goals and rebalance accordingly. And that means both on the upside of the market and the downside of the market. So I think when investors know that there's a specific method that they have peace of mind. And again, I, I have to say that our investors are great. We, we get very few phone mm-hmm. calls. Mm-hmm. Seldom, isn't it, Phil? Yeah. And I think we do a pretty good job educating. One of the things that we do is we give out a book called The Investment Answer to a lot of our clients that, that really have a desire to look you know, under the hood, so to speak. And in that book, the authors have done extensive research uh, based on academic evidence that you know, they, they want to know where do the returns really come from in the market. And so uh, 95% of the time, it's amazing where, what they found out. They found out that the returns don't come from, you know, great stock pickers or mutual fund managers that are stellar, you know, uh, high performance uh, managers. That type. Where it comes from is proper diversification, mm-hmm. having your portfolio diversified in all the asset classes and knowing where the returns really come from in those asset classes. And so that's that's the key to it is diversification and rebalancing. Yeah. Proper diversification. That word proper has come up a couple of times today, but that's <laughs> very important. Proper, proper. Very important. <laughs> these are the four, these are just four of uh, the many commandments that uh, we try to follow along here with financial and retirement planning. But I think these four are very important for you to be aware of and understand. And that's why we kind of want to devote this episode to going through those and really getting Barbara and Phil's perspective on each of those and, and some insight on each of those. So hopefully that's been a help to you. And again, as always, you can log on to the website site, pathfinderwealth.com. You'll find this episode here if you want to go back through these commandments again, but also everything we've gone through, including that discussion on the Illinois fair tax. So make sure you go uh, check that out after you get done listening to this show. Pathfinderwealth.com is the website. And if you have any questions or want to discuss things further on this conversation or the fair tax or anything that uh, we talk about on the show, feel free to give Barbara and Phil a call at 815-399-9806. So thank you both for the conversation. Enjoyed it as always. And I look forward to talking to you both again. Yes. Thank Thank you, Ben. Thank Thank you, you, listeners. Information is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute tax, investment, or legal advice. Always consult with a qualified investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action.